I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, Jim, I don't know whether to celebrate or to say something's missing from this show, but I got a <laughs> chance during the interview uh, to, to ask all of the questions because you weren't there. Right. I'm so sorry. I had to miss the, uh, the 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 question portion of today's program, although I certainly found your conversation fascinating. We'll get into it in a second. And it's a topic that's right up my alley, which is why is capitalism generally good, misunderstood, but also in need of operating in the proper channels? Why capitalism is in need of reform. Luigi Zingales is our guest. When I went to Grand Canyon Park, I was struck by a note that the rangers had put. Please don't feed the wild animals. They, they learn to get food from humans and they lose their ability to gather food in the wilderness. So I would like the same note to be put in Washington and say, please don't feed business. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How, how do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? It seems like every time we look at the news, Richard, we're hearing about giant technology companies, big banks, many parts of the American economy that are dominated by just a few giant companies. I mean, look at Walmart and Amazon to take just two. So today, Jim, we're looking at whether big business in many cases is just too big, too well connected with the government, too powerful to be in the best interests of both the economy and us consumers. Our guest is a confirmed capitalist, a man who supports free markets and believes in a society where merit, rather than your social connections, is the biggest factor in success. Luigi Zingales is finance professor at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, the author of a couple of books, Saving Capitalism from the Capitalists and A Capitalism for the People. He's also co-host of a really cool podcast called Capital isn't. Welcome to How Do We Fix It? My pleasure to be here. And Luigi is joining us via Skype from Chicago. First question, what's the difference between being pro-market and pro-business? So most people tend to use the two terms as if they were a synonym. But if, uh, 
you are pro-business, what you care about is that the existing businesses are more profitable. If you're pro-market, you want to create the conditions for all businesses to prosper, including the ones who are not represented at the table today. And to me, you sound worried about the idea that free markets have been taken over by entrenched business interests. Um, yes, I am concerned because in order to create the conditions for the market to prosper, we have to maintain freedom of entry, a competitive environment. So the antitrust should intervene to, to maintain this competitive environment. And the obsession with business, actually of both political parties these days, have created a world in which most politicians respond to the interests of business and not the interests of market or society at large. Can you give an example of pro-business versus pro-market? Oh, absolutely. So the Wisconsin governor basically allocated $3 billion to attract uh, Foxconn to operate in the state of Wisconsin. So this is Scott Walker saying to Foxconn, please come in and, and give us a bunch of jobs, yes? Exactly. And uh, But they're going to create at best 15,000 jobs. And uh, the cost of $3 billion is an extremely high price to pay. And by the way, uh, Governor Walker is also waiving some environmental requirement just to attract business. Could you just tell us what that $3 billion refer to? Where's that money going to? Uh, the money is a subsidy. It is exactly like uh, the free food given to animals. And uh, this is not only, in my view, bad from a fiscal point of view. It's terrible from a market point of view because you're favoring a business but creating a unlevel playing field for everybody else. Because if I am George Mack and I operate in the state of Wisconsin, I don't get a tax subsidy. I don't get uh, regulation, environmental regulation waived. And that really creates an unlevel playing field. Luigi, I got to tell you, I love the way you pronounce Joe Schmuck. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, so tell us a bit more about Foxconn. Um, it, it's a huge company, and I know it was involved in, in making Apple products in China, right? It is, it is. Yeah, it's a Chinese company. It's very, very efficient, and uh, I, I have nothing against them. And uh, I think this is important because a lot of people, when they hear me criticize business, they think that I might be anti-business. And actually, my favorite line is, is the following. When I went to Grand Canyon Park, I was struck by a note that uh, the rangers had, had put. And uh, the note was saying, please don't feed the wild animals because this is bad for them. They, they learn to get food from humans and they lose their ability to gather food in the wilderness. And this uh, note is put in the interest of animals. So this is the, the tension between being pro-animal and just being in the interest of uh, the existing animals there. So I would like the same note to be put in Washington and say, please don't feed business. And not because 
I don't like business precisely because I like business. I want a business to maintain its competitiveness, its ability to compete in the marketplace. And every subsidy that you give to business is a way to make it more lazy and less efficient. Now, I want to make this clear. You are pro-capitalist, aren't you? It's not as if you're a socialist and you're calling for the destruction of the capitalist system to be replaced by big government. Absolutely not. I love capitalism and I would like it to work well. What's going wrong now with capitalism? Because certainly its critics, not just on the left, but also on the right, are concerned about the growth of monopolies. So I think what's going on is uh, the political side of it, because for the system to work well, you need a impartial referee. You need some rules and you need an impartial referee. And uh, that impartial referee should not be for sale. Well, let's take an example. For instance, Amazon. We've got this bidding battle going on between cities who are offering Amazon huge goodies to come and site their their second headquarters uh, in their community. Is that an example of things going wrong? Absolutely. But I don't see in this particular case the problem being Amazon itself. The problem is the system. And actually, I'm not a lawyer, but I was talking with somebody who knows much more than I do. And what he's suggesting is we should be more aggressive in interpreting the interstate commerce clause. Because in, in the European Union, you cannot compete with subsidies to attract business. The interstate commerce clause could be interpreted in the same way because forbids anything that impacts business in other states. And if I subsidize business in Wisconsin, I negatively impact business in Illinois. So there there is a possibility of actually going after these deals under the interstate commerce clause. The problem is nobody so far has done it. And so the Supreme Court has never ruled on, on this dimension. And this is part of the problem. Who has an interest in going after this? Because all business is in it. So enforcing the interstate commerce clause is one solution. I want to get to solutions more a little bit later in the podcast. But first, you're from Italy. (laughs) That's pretty clear from your accent. And you've written quite passionately about how Italy is an example of crony capitalism. That's true. To be honest, we have given the world a lot of beautiful things, starting from the pizza to the good coffee, to Ferrari and, uh, and the fashion. But you're absolutely right that uh, uh, my, my native country suffers from uh, a huge amount of cronies and uh, unfortunately also a very bad economic performance that lasted for a quarter of a century. Uh, most people are not familiar with the fact that uh, per capita income in Italy today is roughly the same that it was 25 years ago. So in a generation, there's been no improvement. This is almost unprecedented. And I think that my interpretation of that lack of growth has a lot to do with the lack of uh, meritocracy in that country. A lack so, of meritocracy. Um, and, and, and what do you mean by that? And what do you mean by crony capitalism being so dominant in Italy? you are appointed to a higher position because you are a relative of uh, uh, the CEO or because you are the most uh, competent person? That's one of the kind of questions. And this is at the private sector level 
at the public sector level is even worse. So in, in what ways is the United States a meritocracy? So I think that the industrial system is much more based on results and, and, and success. And uh, second, at least traditionally, there was much more ease of entry in different industries and uh, competition in, uh, in every single uh, dimension. So when you find a firm, that, that firm is not the result of the fact he's a friend of the mayor, uh, but is a result of the fact that uh, he is more efficient, provides better services to customers at a lower price. In a moment, we're going to talk about what's wrong with American capitalism as well as what could be right. My co-host Jim Meggs is away, but uh, he will join us later in the podcast. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My guest is Luigi Zingales, who is the co-host of the podcast Capitalisn't, and also most recently the author of the book A Capitalism for the People. So in the United States, is meritocracy threatened by crony capitalism, Luigi? Yes, in, in many dimensions, from the fact that firms get subsidies based on political connection. The Foxconn example is one, but uh, there are a lot more in Washington and uh, the kind of regulation that is tilted in one way or another to favor incumbents is a primary phenomenon. The fact that uh, antitrust enforcement is not as aggressive as it should be. Most people don't know that uh, there was a conspiracy to keep down wages in the engineering sector in the Silicon Valley. And uh, there were basically smoking gun emails saying Apple and uh, Google were colluding to prevent uh, poaching from one to the other, so to prevent competition to hire better workers. So as these, and, these are supposedly bitter rivals who are competing fiercely with each other, uh, colluding when it comes to holding down wages of prospective employees. Perspective and current employees. And, and they ended up settling uh, this case for only $400 million when the estimated damage was uh, $3 billion. And also, so, $400 million for these companies is chicken feed. Uh, yeah, but that's not a question of uh, chicken feed or not chicken feed. The question is, at the end of the day, if uh, the worst thing that can happen to you when you're caught with your pants down 
is to pay, what, one-sixth of what you're supposed to pay is really profitable to collude. You say that Occupy Wall Street and the Tea Party are the flip sides of the same coin. People are angry and that one of the causes is that median living standards, that is for most people in America, have not gone up during the past decade. Absolutely. The median wage has not increased in real terms for the last 40 years. So these are basically almost two generations that don't see any improvement. So what is the difference between the median wage and median income? So the, the wage is what uh, uh, George Mark makes when he works at a factory. And uh, the median income is uh, what he and uh, his wife or his partner reports as uh, household income at the IRS. So in- and, income uh, refers to households, wages to individuals. Exactly. So you're saying that people in America traditionally have accepted uh, income inequality as long as they're on the up escalator. They have a good chance of, of, their, of their incomes uh, rising um, in, in the years to come. Yeah, I think that the two essential conditions to accept the inequalities, but I think that any capitalist system will have some form of inequality. And people are willing to accept this inequality under two conditions. Number one, that the escalator brings everybody up some. And number two, that you have a fair chance to get into the fast-moving escalator. And I think that those two conditions uh, have been failing in the United States in the last two or three decades. And that's the reason why people are so angry. Okay, so we've we've got a whole bunch of problems here that you've raised. Um, What do we do about it? So I don't think that uh, one thing alone will fix it. Um, I think that uh, we need to fix a lot of pieces yeah, let's let's like let's let's with, walk yeah. through at least a few. Uh, let's talk about antitrust reform first. Now, antitrust reform means uh, a pro-competition policy that reduces the likelihood that large industries are going to be taken over by one or two big players who act for their own interests but against the interests of other businesses and consumers. So. I think that uh, there we can go at at multiple levels. The the lowest uh, of all is to actually do some uh, retrospective uh, analysis of how well we have done in the past. For every merger, for example, there is an analysis done of whether this merger has anti-competitive effects. And of course, the companies merging hire the best lawyers and the best economists arguing that, no, 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 this is absolutely great. And here is the reason why. But uh, very rarely, this analysis compare with reality. Yeah, that idea of the post-merger review has been raised by Democrats, Senate Democrats, in their their most recent policy announcement. They talked about the need for um, a a consumer competition advocate as part of antitrust reform, as well as post-merger reviews. What do you think of that? I think they are excellent ideas. The other thing we should do is also raise salaries of public jobs. Luigi, let me put a conservative argument to you, which is that government's too big 
And one of the reasons why we have these huge enterprises is because they know how to, to operate in an environment where the government gobbles up a much higher percentage of overall output than was historically the case in America uh, decades ago. Look, I am in favor of having a smaller government, but uh, I'm not in favor of having a zero government. And uh, whatever smaller should be, should be very well run. I think that uh, the mistake conservatives do is to say, if we make the government ineffective, that will make the government less able to expand, and that would be good for all of us. So in other words, you, you, you favor smart government rather than small government. I actually favor smart and small government. The two things are not in contradiction. I want a decently paid job in the public administration that is able to attract talented people to do the job they have to do and limit the jobs they have to do. Because it's true that the government is trying to go too many places. It's also true that if we want to have some uh, safety in the water we drink, in the air we breathe, and the food we eat, some regulation is necessary. And uh, you don't want that regulation to be completely corruptible. What can we do about the tax system? Um, I am uh, very much in favor of trying to eliminate loopholes and reduce the marginal tax rate rather than trying to fix everything by increasing taxes. So in other words, make the system simpler and easier to understand, more transparent. Yeah, I am a big advocate of keeping it simple for two reasons. Number one is that the more complicated things are, the easier it is for insiders to create loopholes that favor some at the expense of others. What have we missed? Primary and secondary education. I think in this country, inequality starts on the school's desk. And I think that more resources should be invested to improve the quality of education. Before you go, um, let's talk about your podcast. Give us a plug for your podcast, Capitalism. So the easiest plug is actually the title. The title Capitalism stands for what is working in capitalism today and what isn't. So we're trying to really deal with uh, what's wrong and also how to try to, to, to fix it. And with the perspective of uh, two economists with different views, and uh, we're also of a different generation. Kate is much younger than I am. And, and so I think that uh, we come at the problems with uh, different viewpoints, but with a common interest in uh, economics and in explaining economic to ordinary human beings. We want to do a podcast about what is important, what is uh, socially and politically relevant. It sounds a bit like what we're doing uh, on, on a more <laughs> general level on how do we fix it. Hey, thanks so much. This was really helpful. Thanks a lot. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, so this part of the show, Jim, you and I usually chat, but I, I ought to give you the floor because I asked all the questions. So your impressions... Well, the first thing is I loved the Joe Schmuck formulation it sort of struck me as, as perfect. But, you know, we were talking you were talking in the podcast about the, the whole situation in um, 
Wisconsin, where they're giving these incredibly generous benefits to try to get Foxconn to locate there. And I completely agree this is what's wrong with so much of the way the economy works in a kind of a big government era. Even a Republican governor thinks it's smart to hand out these lavish benefits. I I mentioned the Joe Schmuck thing to my wife, and she said, well, you know, you'd have to be kind of a schmuck not to get some kind of big grant like that if you were doing business in Wisconsin. And that's what's wrong with it. The big companies get these benefits. Some little guy trying to start a tiny little factory, he's not going to get that. So one of the interesting solutions that Luigi Zingales mentioned was the Interstate Commerce Clause, that perhaps you could use that legislation on behalf of those communities, in this case, I guess, 49 other states that were penalized by the spending in Wisconsin. If you started doing that, you'd have a lot of work to do because what he's criticizing Wisconsin is absolutely standard all over the country. So so what do we do here, Jim? I know that one of the things you feel strongly about is changing the incentives for business. What do you mean by that? Well, all businesses, all people respond to incentives. But in many cases, we don't recognize that we've set up incentives that actually encourage the very, quote unquote, wrongdoing Then we're complaining about. So I think the key has to be to make sure that we remove the incentives in the first place. And in a lot of cases, those come about in regulations that we thought were a good idea. No, no, I know you. I know you're much more skeptical about regulations than I am. I mean, I do think that there needs to be some kind of antitrust reform, and clearly, uh, Luigi uh, agrees with that. I'm actually kind of an agnostic on antitrust. I mean, obviously, there's there's a there's a place for it. But it it also, I think, often happens that we look at a particular company as being very powerful. We assume it's going to stay powerful forever and ever. We we erect some kind of big antitrust action to try to fix the problem, which probably would have gone away on its own. Yeah, I, I understand your caution. But when I look across the landscape of American business, I mean, we've had a lot of consolidation. There, there are big national banks are a relatively recent phenomenon in many main streets to the cost of um, smaller banks. But still, I feel like there have been so many examples of giant companies sweeping in that something needs to be done. First of all, where are all those giant retailers of of uh, just twenty or thirty years ago? What happened? To yeah, but they're Sears? not. They they aren't what as giant. They aren't as they they were never as giant as Walmart and uh, Amazon are today. I'm pretty sure that in 1910, Sears <laughs> dominated certainly the mail order business every bit as much as Amazon does today. I want to end on a point that Luigi made, which is pay regulators more strikes me as a smart thing to do in many cases, because then you have people who make a career out of being a regulator rather than being tempted always to go into private industry. And it I, might I, improve I, the, yeah. the, the caliber of the regulator. I, I agree with that. I think the revolving door between regulators and the businesses they regulate is a huge, you know, there's a, um, there, there are huge potential ethical problems in that. And um, that's one thing we can do. I also loved his Grand Canyon anecdote. Don't feed the animals. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm working on an article about alternative energy right now. 
And I'm researching a, a huge program that New York State is doing under Governor Cuomo, giving a $1.4 billion grant to a whole array of wind and solar companies. So I went on the website and I looked at the companies that are getting these grants. The very first one I looked at, I had never heard of the company. I opened up the part of their website that says, who are their top executives? I looked at the guy who was listed as their strategy, you know, head of strategy. Who was he? Is he a solar power expert? Is he an engineer at MIT? No, he's Bill Clinton's former campaign manager, former head of the Democratic National Committee. Why does a solar energy company need an incredibly well-connected Democratic Party powerhouse on their board of directors? What do you think? They're in the business of getting grants from the government. I love this idea. Stop feeding the wild animals. Let them compete on their own. Let them feed themselves and they'll be healthier. The economy will be better. Well, our feed is about to end. Jim, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for joining me. Um, and uh, it's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And our producer is Miranda Schaefer. We're a production of Davies Content. We make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. You can find out how to do that. It's really not very difficult on our website, howdowefixit.me. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.